welcome to My First Five Years podcast. I'm Jenny Johnson. And I'm Alistair Bryce Clegg, and we are early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. We've made this podcast to give you some tips and tricks that will help you in those early years and that will hopefully help you worry less and find the joy in your young children. And we found through our own experience, we've got six children between us, that once you understand some of the science and research behind how children develop in the early years, it can really help you to relax and put some of the joy back into parenting. Welcome to our Christmas special. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, you've got the beard for it as well, Alistair. Oh, thanks. And you. <laughs> We're re-looking at last year's fabulous Christmas episode, but at the same time adding some extra tips, especially around mental load, which I would say is key this time of year. Absolutely. And we know from experience that Christmas can be a really exciting time of year with young children, but also quite <laughs> stressful, especially for you as a parent, and especially when you're trying to keep everyone happy. I'd say we're all pretty good at adding additional jobs to our jobs oh, list at Christmas when we really, really don't need to. And that's why today's episode is dedicated to trying to help you get through the festive period with your under five. And we're going to give you some tips and advice on how to really enjoy Christmas, but also manage yours and everyone else's expectations. We talk all the time in this podcast about realistic parenting. Well, being a realistic parent at this time of year is going to be more useful than ever before. Alistair, let's start with why this time of year can be quite fraught with emotion, both for children and us parents as well. Yeah, well, Christmas is a really funny time of year, isn't it? Because you look back on it with rose-tinted spectacles and and it's all the magic of Christmas, which now starts sometime in July. Literally. But actually, the fact that Christmas now starts in July means that we've got this massive build-up for Mm -hmm. both adults and children. And also, I think as a parent, you want it to be magical. You want that nostalgia for your children. But actually, sometimes in trying to create the magic, whether that be paying a fortune to jump on a train with Santa or go to a massive light show or do a series of events and parties and all sorts of stuff. Or Elf on the Shelf, which is proper daily pressure. (laughs) Absolutely, just stresses you out Mm -hmm. and exhausts your child. So Mm -hmm. what you end up with is by mid-November, you're frazzled, your child's frazzled, and by the time you get to Christmas, what it ends up being often is a big disappointment because that magic that you wanted to happen just doesn't happen because everybody's just frazzled. Yeah, or peak too soon or whatever. Yeah, so I think what we're going to talk about today is not being Scrooge or the Grinch. No, we're not trying to say Christmas Christmas should be miserable. But But actually, look at some of the science around things like how do children build memories, what are important to children around those long-term things that they will hold really dear and special. Mm -hmm. And think about how you can do those more as a family on a low budget And how actually loads of the connections you can make just as your family in your own family space are worth way more than that ticket to see the massive light show. And I think also it's about being realistic about children's behaviour in this time of year. You know, the expectations we sometimes have that they'll sit through a Christmas dinner, for example, when they're just too young to do so and that it's not a realistic expectation for their stage of development. So we're going to touch on that a bit as well, aren't we? They are often too young and then too excited and the combination of lack of maturity and overexcitement is just a recipe for disaster. It certainly is. And I think it's nothing that we as adults and parents don't know, mm-hmm. but it's just reminding ourselves that actually if we do all of these really exciting things on the road to Christmas, then of course your child is going to be emotionally exhausted mm-hmm. and they've got very few tools in their kit bag to allow them to process those emotions. So it usually comes out in what we look at as negative behaviour. Or just it goes wrong right from the get-go. I remember one year 
myself and my brother woke up at three in the morning yeah. and literally there was nothing our parents could do to get us back to bed. We we were excited. We wanted Christmas to start. And in the end, I think we opened our presents at about four o'clock and yeah. we're playing scale electrics by 4.30. Yeah. But by Christmas dinner, we were all shattered. Yeah, my mum and dad crying. were shattered. Yeah. <laughs> it was Too many sherry's were drunk. <laughs> it so, goes down as one of the yeah. worst Christmases ever because we woke up too early. We were too excited and yeah. it just all started too soon. Let's chat through some of those challenges and scenarios. Okay. And thanks so much for those of you that have sent some questions in as well. We're going to tackle those as the podcast goes on. Jenny, did you see the one about um, going to visit Father Christmas, which really made me smile? Oh, well, you've got three children and I've got three children. <laughs> yeah. So we have been there, done yeah. it, Horrendous. got the T-shirt. Yeah. And we've got so many stories to tell about going to see Father Christmas. Or oh, We used to make such a big deal of it and we've spent various types of fortunes going to see various types of Santas at different places and queued and queued and queued and had the picture of one of the kids screaming on his knee and I think what you realise second or third child in is why you're doing it and who you're doing it for. The children don't care and that's a classic thing where you're saying to the children right we're going to go and see Father Christmas and for some children and it's lots of children seeing somebody in a costume or somebody in a mask or telling children that in the night a man is going to come down the chimney into their bedroom <laughs> is terrifying. Literally. So sometimes we again look at the nostalgia of, oh, I just want to have my child have memories of. And I think you know, lots of children won't remember sitting on Father Christmas's knee unless it was the trauma of it. And that's one of those things where I think, you stand for 35 minutes or an hour in a massive queue in somewhere that's hot under lots of lights and blaring Christmas music. Mm-hmm. You're stressed. Your Christmas shopping isn't done. You haven't brought enough snacks. Your children are getting <laughs> giddy. You wait for a very long time. You go to a small, dark room. You sit on a strange man's knee. He gives you a present. Then it's all done and dusted. Yeah, bit and of actually, an anticlimax, yeah. In terms of what that will have done for that child, mm-hmm. uh, for your child or for you, it's probably you know, either a non-experience or a negative experience. Yeah. I mean, the pictures are good fun to look on after, to be fair. <laughs> Even when it is a picture of your yeah. child crying. Uh, but it's not a good enough reason to do it, let's face it. I think there are other ways for the kids to get to see Santa. There's a garden centre near me, for example, that has Santa just walking about. He sort of goes around, says hello, has a picture with the children. It's much more low-key, no cues. That's quite cute. Um, we've gone to school Christmas fairs and, and done it there with their peer groups and their friends. And yeah, the only funny thing at the school Christmas one is often that the teacher's not quite as disguised <laughs> as they think <laughs> they are. <laughs> and they'll say, that's like, Mr. Not- such and <laughs> such. Um, Um, But yeah, just I think what we're trying to say with all of these Christmas experiences is don't feel that you have to do them. Think about why you're doing them, who's going to enjoy it, who you're doing it for. And sometimes the logical conclusion often is maybe don't bother. Just take that one off your to-do list and it's one less thing. if it's going to stress you out, then don't do it. And also if we're thinking about the magic of Father Christmas then sometimes the magic of Father Christmas comes from the imagination and the story as opposed to the you know somebody that looks like one of your teachers dressed up as Father Christmas. <laughs> so it's about, you know, again, us being realistic in our parenting and crossing off the list things that actually are going to cause us stress and are not going to make that much difference to our children's building of nostalgia around Christmas. And I was chatting to my sister-in-law the other day who's got four kids 
who are young about the fact that in her WhatsApp group, there's loads of people already saying, have you booked the lights at? And mm-hmm. it's like an astronomical cost for a family. So what she does, which I think is an ace idea, is they walk around their local streets mm-hmm. and it's a thing the kids know they're going to do and they get all wrapped up and it's kind of around bedtime. So it feels like they're staying up a little bit late, yeah. even though they're not, it's probably about half past six. <laughs> and they go and look at all the local lights and before yep. they go, they've made a little card that says, your lights are our favourite. And they put the children's names in the bottom and their address. Uh-huh. And they push it through the door of the lights they like the best. And the kids love it. But also they've had information or messages from the people whose lights they were saying, oh, thank you so much. That like made all the effort of putting up this, the lights worthwhile. What a lovely thing to do. And it's got a real sense of community to it. And it costs nothing. Mm-hmm. And her kids are just as thrilled with doing that. And then coming back, they have a hot chocolate. It's all about, oh, it's dead exciting. So again, sometimes looking at Instagram, seeing those people who are off to the massive light show, whatever it may be, but you don't have to do that to make it magic for children. Yeah, I think we term it comparanoia. And all we mean by that is that we get paranoid looking at the comparisons of what other people are doing. And we really try to encourage you just to not do that and to let go of that as a a feeling and an emotion. And there's a little bit of that. Well, there's a lot of that goes on with Christmas because it's looking at what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is posting on Instagram, how happy they look, all the experiences they're doing with the children. And it starts to make you feel guilty that you need to be doing more. And actually, often, in fact, we've all seen it now these days. There are so many people out there taking Instagram worthy pictures but you see that they've took 10 20 30 pictures and they've often not even done the experience it's just been for the picture itself and I love the idea of going around to local houses because actually more and more people are doing more and more spectacular things which in itself is about crazy Christmas (laughs) and paranoia probably (laughs) but you could take advantage of that and go for a walk and have a look at what they've been doing and uh, yeah we've got favorite houses around and about that people go to see and that the kids love. I think it's just about Coming back to, you know, you want to be a family at Christmas that are having some real quality family time. And why would you ever want to put any stress on your family that was going to try and fracture those relationships or make things difficult? And sometimes when you just have a moment to stop and reflect on why am I doing this? And Mm -hmm. we've all done it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you want to do it, do it. But if it's going to cause you stress, then just think, does it matter? And actually, the science of how children develop would say that, you know, a lot of it doesn't. Those attachments that you can make in your family are the things that are really important. They're the things that make you resilient and curious and have that attachment with each other as family members. Going to these massive events doesn't always create the memories you think it's going to. We do have an episode all about comparanoia. Oh, it's a good one. It's definitely worth yeah. a listen. And hopefully it might make you feel a little bit better. It's episode six in our podcast feed. Louise, you've sent in a great question about overbuying gifts. Um, She talks here about the fact that she doesn't think her children really care whether they have one or 20 presents. So she has really started to limit um, how many Christmas presents are under the tree. But she's struggling to rein in the wider family so that they still have this overwhelming amount of presents to open on the day. I think as well, for us as parents, you often feel like, you know, bad if you're not giving your children loads of gifts but also there is a truth that children become overwhelmed yeah literally just get bored of opening them and one of the, <laughs> the other thing that's interesting about opening presents is when children are kind of in a state of, of kind of high excitement and they've got all these wrapped presents i can remember with my boys them just literally shredding the paper off and then dumping the gift and shredding the paper and yeah. dumping the gift yeah. what next, they weren't next, saying next. was no value thank you grandma for my lovely gift blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and i can remember my mum getting a bit like oh spend time and effort on that and they've literally just shredded it and moved on and it's not that they're being rude it's about the state of 
um, excitement that they're in and mm-hmm. also the joy of ripping paper off is quite an exciting thing so they just get into almost like a present opening frenzy, frenzy. but then they forget who's done what bits fall out you lose the fiver that somebody sent in a card <laughs> somebody's saying get a bin bag let's get all the rubbish tidied up I mean, and we've many, all thrown away a gift when oh, we've done that oh, how, I was going to say how many times we've been through the bin bag to say <laughs> where was that whatever it may be <laughs> so there is a real sense of when you are looking at children's self-regulation and yep. their ability to use those higher order thinking skills and processes yep. around I've got to be present in the moment, I've got to be thanking people, I've got to open this present, I've got to remember who it's from, they lose it's all It's just of too that much, the, the wrong yeah. expectation of so most children, yeah. most teenagers, never mind Absolutely. most under under five. So what we're actually doing by giving them loads of gifts is making us feel better as parents, because mm-hmm. we must be good parents because buying our ch- children lots of gifts, but actually we are disabling their ability to be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, see what I did there? Present in the moment. Hey, clever. clever you. Yeah. So what would be better is to give them less and yep. make the process of unwrapping the gifts more meaningful. Yeah. And I think, you know, Louise is right. There are very few children that would say, hey, hang on, <laughs> I've only got nine gifts here. And, you know, last year, I mean, as they get older, especially with my teens, I remember social media became a really toxic place at Christmas about look what I got and look what you didn't get. Before mm-hmm. you, you know, you're to fives, yeah. it's about what's happening in that room. At yeah, that they're time. not going to log on to Insta later and see what their yeah. four-year-old friend got. That's yeah. not going to happen. So, And also what you can do, again, with, with parents and grandparents, you can talk to them about the science mm-hmm. of how children develop. And also you can say, to make Christmas a more enjoyable period, we're going to stagger the gift given so mm-hmm. that not everything happens on Christmas morning so the children will get gifts to open throughout the day or yep. across Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. And again, I know lots of people who will keep a couple of gifts back mm-hmm. and maybe those gifts appear later on in the year or on birthdays or... I've never know, done that. No, <laughs> we've never done that either, but I know people who have People that, that do, yeah. yeah. All, all, good, all ideas are good ideas. I love the idea of staggering the presents, you know, pick two for now, we'll pick two later... I like that idea, just so that they're in the moment opening the ones that they've got. What we've done as a family, just to share something that really works for us, we've got a really big extended family. And if everybody bought a gift for the children, they'd have 30 gifts to open. It's just too much. So years and years ago now, and it works really well, we draw names out of the hat and you end up with two gifts to buy and two gifts that you'll receive. And everybody really values them because they know that, you know, they're not going to get lots and they look forward to the ones that they do get. And we've been doing that for years now as a family. So works really well. I know it wouldn't work for everybody, but 30 presents is too much. It's finding strategies, isn't it? And also thinking about the fact that what do you want your children to get out? So if we're building adults of the future, Mm -hmm. what do we want their thinking to be? What do we want want to be important Mm -hmm. to them? in terms of their core beliefs. And if it is that more is better, then we're on a dangerous road. If it's actually that... Less is more. Less is more because it comes with love and it comes with respect and it comes with value. Lots of thought and consideration because you want that one gift to be something they're going to absolutely love. So where you might feel a pang of guilt as a parent that I'm not buying 30 gifts, which somebody else is, I think what we would say is what you're thinking about is the core values you are building where you're going to say, you know, as a family, this is what we do, and this has been really thought out, and this is what you get. Because if you think about when, when I, my old granny used to say, they got um, a tuppence in a candy pig or something mm-hmm. in the bottom of a stocking, and that was all they got. Yeah. And that was so precious because they would get one toy or one thing. Yeah. 
and they didn't get lost in this kind of stack of presents. And also you've got the frustration, often with grandparents, that they will open the presents and play with the box. And again, there's loads of interesting science behind that. Partly that's because they're overwhelmed by what comes out of the box. But also, as we've talked about a lot in our podcasts, the box has got limitless possibilities. Open-ended possibilities, Whereas yeah. whatever you pull out of the box is only the thing you pull out of the box. Yeah. So again, it's about managing expectations around a grandparent who might be a bit frustrated if they've spent all this time and effort buying a toy and mm-hmm. the child just plays with the box. Yeah. But that's perfectly normal scientific development of children. And I think partly what we talk about a lot is the more we can appreciate that as parents, the less disappointment we have. And it's our disappointment that our children don't respond in the way we think they should. Yeah, and being realistic about how they're likely to respond and just letting it go. Yeah. And as we're revisiting this episode again, we just wanted to talk a little bit more about the mental load and how important that is at Christmas. I mean, things like, even on Christmas Day, if you've got a partner or another member of family that's helping you out, negotiating with them... Who has responsibility for the children when? So that both of you get some time to actually relax and enjoy your Christmas day. Also, have you been in the room when a partner's just as surprised at the children about what they're opening? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So maybe having to think about how we can split the present buy-in and, you know, share that load a bit as well. And not just for the children, because you end up buying for Granny and Great Aunt Ethel. There are members of your partners. Do you really have Great Aunt Ethel? No, she died a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, But there are members of your partner's extended family, but yet one family member, and it's often the mum in the family, Mm -hmm. ends up... Not only planning Christmas, buying for Christmas, cooking Christmas, serving Christmas, also buying past the parcel presents, crackers and Great Aunt Ethel's bed socks. <laughs> when actually what you maybe need to do is have that discussion beforehand that says, I'll do this lot, you do that lot. So I think the thing with sharing the mental load is that it's not just going to happen automatically or by chance. No, it does need to be discussed and negotiated. I honestly believe that. Yeah, so I think and it's, it might feel a little bit awkward, like you're planning a meeting, like have you got a window in your diary for it to discuss the mental load? But <laughs> you do make time, maybe at the beginning of the festive season, to sit down with your partner if you've got one or whoever's supporting you within your family or friends and say, right, how are we going to do this together so we're sharing that equally? Yeah, I mean, just taking my family as an example, we have quite a big gathering on Christmas Day and the WhatsApp group has now been set up for all well, those attending yeah. and there's a little list gone up about who's doing what and we've began divvying it up and it genuinely does help and actually one of the comments that the host family made is so if you're doing dessert can you make sure that you also think about the cream the custard the brandy sauce Brilliant. so it is that full delegation as opposed to I'll bring the pudding but you know everybody else has got to remember the other yeah. bits and pieces so I think that clarity when I saw it especially the work we've been doing recently about the mental load and actually genuinely taking ownership of something it's fab it really made me yeah. smile because I thought that's an example that's yeah. what it means if you say you're going to do the desserts you do the do desserts, the desserts yeah. yeah and everything associated with oh. it Oh, dessert. I know, I'm feeling hungry now. This next question from Jess, I love because it's really close to my heart and it is about Elf on the Shelf. It literally is my Christmas pet hate and I've given up on the idea. It's one of those things that for me became toxic and I've removed it out of my life. It's a really interesting thing, Elf on the Shelf, because we're not saying don't do it. But what basically it is, is lots and lots of pressure for parents. It's like a brilliant idea. You see it on social media. Yeah, it started off as quite a cute thing. Yeah. But then parents have got the pressure of 24 different elf activities. 
But also from a child's point of view, there is an element of a toy that comes to life, which can be a little bit freaky. But also sometimes what parents get the elf to do is really funny for parents, but can be quite traumatic for children. So the elf does things that will worry a child, as in, are they going to break something? Am I going to get blamed for that? Yeah. Or if the elf does something to the child. Oh, so gosh, I remember last year, the one with the marquee, the one with the Sharpie. Yeah, so... I mean, it was funny, but it really wasn't funny because well, the butt of the joke was the poor kid. Yeah, exactly. Who then is in a state of high distress because of something that the elf has done. So I yeah. think... Whilst there is, you know, the idea, again, we're thinking about the magic of this elf that comes to life and does slightly, you know, things that are inappropriate. Um, again, if you want to do it, do it. But why are you putting yourself under that pressure? Again, yeah. children, looking back, uh, you know, there are plenty of other things that you could do that would build those special memories that don't have well, to do that. Well, speaking as a mum of three children, I started it one year. I think I got to about day nine, thought, nope. <laughs> Life's too short for this. And my kids have not missed it. They haven't. No, so I'm a bit of a fan of saying no to Elf on the Shelf. But clearly parents are going to make their own decisions. But it's a perfect example of what you're doing it for, who you're doing it for, and who's having fun, if anybody. Exactly. And also the message that you're also giving children about the fact that when this elf who, who has, in inverted commas, bad behaviour is celebrated, then you're also given a clear message that it's okay for the elf to do whatever the elf has done. But actually, if the child did that independently of the Christmas period, you wouldn't be saying, ha, 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 my child has just put toilet roll all over the lounge. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot You'd of mental gymnastics yes, going on there, isn't absolutely. there? Absolutely. Without sucking the joy out of Christmas, what are some of the things that we can do as parents to help our children relax and enjoy it that little bit more rather than get into this frenzied state that can sometimes happen? So I think with hindsight, as a parent who has literally whipped my children into a frenzy over Christmas, uh, because I also love a bit of Christmas. Yeah, I'm a bit giddy about Christmas as well. But I think what you do is say, if you said to a parent, right, what are the things that help your child to be really on an even keel all the time? And parents would say things like regular routine, sleep, good food, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, as well as like love. So at Christmas, what you've got to try and do is maintain some of the really familiar things like routine whilst accepting realistically, you're not going to maintain it all the time. Mm -hmm. But in every aspect of their life, from what they watch on the television, if they're in any kind of uh, preschool care, everything starts to be geared towards this thing that's going to happen and it's Christmas songs and it's Christmas adverts and it's Christmas episodes. So it's been fed to them all the time. Oh, and the nativity that they've oh, probably practised yeah. over and over again. I don't know why that we stopped doing nativities in that way at nursery because the children were really not enjoying well, them. Well, the children don't enjoy it and the parents love the nostalgia of nativity. But yeah. what you end up with is very distressed adults, lots of children in tea towels <laughs> and literally two adults who've been practising songs for about four weeks just singing on their own because children look at them like they've never seen them before and like why are we here what's going on or worse is where a child cries which one often does and you get parents going ah oh, look at that child crying and like but that child is in trauma They're literally in trauma with a tea towel on the head and they've got loads of parents looking at them going ah oh, isn't it sweet no, it's not sweet. Have you got to be in your bonnet about yeah. nativity plays? Just, can you tell? No. Just, just a little bit. As an ex-head teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah, we stopped doing them for that very reason because, yeah, there are lots of special magical things you can do at Christmas, but trauma is not one of them. So I think what you need to do as a parent is try as much as you can to keep some routine around things like bedtime, bath time, you know, try and keep food 
fairly regular and reasonably healthy like they would normally eat because you tend to get a lot more of the kind of sugar. Oh gosh, sweets. Yeah, yeah. a lot Advent more Advent calendars happens. with chocolate in, All starting the day stuff. that way. Absolutely. So have those lovely little nuggets of joy, but just try and keep some of the consistency because that's what helps children to regulate their emotion. Right, but we are realistic at my first five years as well. So come on, Christmas Day, it's not going to happen, is it? Absolutely not. Chocolate orange for breakfast, crying (laughs) by 10 o'clock. No bath time. So you know on Christmas Day, what you don't want is that thing where you just you know, not letting your child experience something different. Yeah, it's but in a the run up to, if you can say right, I keep acknowledge that these, yeah, these are the things that keep my child on an even keel emotionally. Yeah, they're the things we're going to try and keep in place. Do you know the other thing we've got loads of experience of having done wrong was overscheduling Christmas. I remember one Christmas, yeah. and I was a child, and I remember this Christmas in a bad way, where we had relative functions to go to four days on the run started Christmas Eve Christmas Day Boxing Day and just for good measure we went somewhere the day after as well and I remember by the end of it all the kids had fell out with each other we'd all broken each other's toys the adults had fell out with each other nobody enjoyed it and I remember overhearing conversations with the adults saying we're never going to do this again again. I just think you know scheduling some days at home staying in the pjs watching some christmas movies or going out for a walk in the local park yeah but just like you say the the routine as usual because you can have too much of a good thing too much of a good thing most definitely and especially at christmas Mm. i'm going to ask you alistair to briefly recap on what we've learned today and some of the ways that we can handle the common christmas challenges briefly briefly you know i don't do brief okay as briefly as i can The big takeaway for me is just be realistic in your parenting. So don't imagine you're going to have this perfect Christmas because nobody ever has a perfect Christmas. But also know what you know about your child. You know your child better than anybody else. So the things that keep your child really emotionally stable, healthy and happy, just make sure you don't lose those at Christmas. Try and keep those elements as well as having some of the fun and joy that goes along with the festive season. Yeah, and don't be afraid to look at something that is a tradition and go, you know what, we're not not going to enjoy that, that. not doing it. Let's run through five easy hacks for a smooth and realistic Christmas with young children. Well, because we are massively into realistic parenting in my first five years, my number one would be give yourself a break. Number two, it's not the big events that you go to that make those emotional connections. It's the little things that you do, like walking around and looking at the Christmas lights and having a hot chocolate after. Number three, keep it as simple as you can and keep it local. Number four, where you can, keep a bit of routine and don't overschedule. And number five, build in some down days. Build in that time just to take a breath in the midst of all the wonderful Christmas chaos. Thanks for listening. And if you want more tips around Christmas time with your children, you can download the My First Five Years app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. We also just want to say a mahoosive thank you for being such a dedicated listener to the My First Five Years podcast. We really appreciate it. We massively, massively do. And thank you for all of your feedback over the last year. It's been so helpful to know what you wanted us to talk about and just to hear how you're getting on with your under five or under fives. (laughs) We're going to take a break in December. So keep an eye out on our socials and we'll tell you when we're going to be back in 2024. In the meantime, have a look back over our podcast feed. We've got some great episodes around sleep, food, nutrition, and things like how your child learns to walk or even how they become a writer. And don't forget to press the follow button on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
And think about sharing your favourite episode with your friends, maybe in a WhatsApp group, because that really helps. 